welcome to Huloween Corner to Corner. My name is Jeff, and I'm here in a graveyard tonight with the brain of Paul. <laughs> Tonight, we're here to spin some stories to scare, tell some tales of terror, and frighten with words of fear. <laughs> and you might be one, <laughs> and now if you're not uh, quaking in your boots at that terrifying introduction, you might be wondering, why are they doing a Halloween episode on the... Uh, Two weeks before Halloween. Well, dear listener, I shall tell you why. It's because the uh, episode next week is going to be about the power of the Doctor uh, on the 23rd of October. And then the um, 30th of October, which is, which is the day before Halloween, is going to be uh, something else that I can't tell you about right now. Uh, but will be very exciting. So we're doing our Halloween episode early because it's been bumped because of something else. Bump in the night. So, why... Uh, well, I was going to say, why are we doing a Halloween episode? Why are we doing a Halloween episode, not? Jeff? Tonight we wanted to talk um, a little bit about some spooky-themed spooky. Doctor Who stories and audios. So if you listened to our recent episode... Books, 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 which was about what was it about, Paul? Oh, I can't forget, mate. <laughs> I think I think the clue was in the title, wasn't it? But I think the, <laughs> we put it in there three times just in case people weren't yeah. sure. Um, but if you listen to that one where we talked about various Doctor Who books that we liked, I spoke a lot about um, the novels, the new series novels, and I was <laughs> pretty much for every Doctor, I was like. This one's a little bit spooky. I quite like this one. Uh, this one's also a bit spooky. We detected so a I theme, quite like, didn't uh, we? Mm, yes. Yeah, I quite like uh, spooky Doctor Who <laughs> stories. Uh, so I've got a couple of audios to to talk about yeah. uh, tonight. But I'm I'm not going to go um, kind of super in depth in them, partly because Paul hasn't listened, listened to them, um, but also I don't want to give away some of their no. surprises. I, I want to give you uh, a, a feel for them and yeah, taste them, and hopefully uh, you, you might go plug them into your ears but um let's let's start with you paul on one of your nominated uh spooky yes episodes. okay let's um, do that yes i'm gonna start th- that with you were disgusted with me about no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do that one yet. i'm gonna do that one afterwards i'm gonna i'm gonna start with oh, okay. well because because we had two each didn't we so <clears throat> um and i was going to nominate um the chimes of midnight which is an mm. Eighth Doctor audio by Big Finish. Eighth Doctor and Charlie. It's one of the really, really early ones. And I remember listening to this. It's a really early one, isn't it? Was, it? Yeah. And it, it was really, really creepy in a kind of sapphire and steel sort of way. Have you ever watched Saf- Sapphire and Steel? You ever seen that? No, I haven't. You need no. to fix that right now, my friend, because it will scare the pants off you, my friend. Oh, yes. Uh, will it? Very, very creepy. It used to freak me out as a kid. But anyway, Chimes of Midnight was very much like that. But when I started listening to it again, because it's a long, 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 long time since I listened to it, I realised it's actually not a, not a Halloween episode. It's actually a Christmas episode. So I thought, well, mm. this is Halloween, not Christmas. So, And it's very much in the spirit of figgy pudding and plum duff and all that sort of stuff. So I said, no, Paul, I said to myself, do not listen to this. Nominate something else instead. So I did, and I'm going to nominate for my scary audio. I forgot what it's called. 
<laughs> I'm joking. I know exactly what it's called. It's called the Miniaturists, and it's uh, it's a very recent mm. Doctor Who audio. It's actually on well, the first Doctor Adventures box set, the yeah. second and smallest adventure of the two, and it's really. And really w- would you like to tell people who which Doctor it is and who's in it, so then we can plug yes. something? It's on the first Doctor Adventures box set, like I just told you a minute ago, Jeff. So it therefore features the first Doctor, but actually played not by William Hartnell. Oh, no, that would be really creepy, given the fact it was recorded quite (laughs) recently. Um, The first Doctor is played by Stephen Noonan. And he is joined yep. by companion Dodo, played by the rather wonderful Lauren Cornelius, who we interviewed right here on Who Corners a Corner just a few short episodes ago, Mr. Jeff. Is that not true? We did. That's correct. Indeed, we did. And this is the thing, right? Because yeah. I, I was kind of thinking about this, and it is. I mean, okay, so there's a lot of stuff going on in here, and like you, I'm not going to give it all away. But one thing about Big Finish audios when they do scary oh man they really do scary don't they there are so many that you can think of i was actually going to go for also on my list was going to be the holy terror which is terrifying (gasps) by rob sherman features frobisher the shape-shifting penguin and it's uh it's it's one of those adventures that kind of starts off a bit of a jolly jape and very quickly turns into some very very dark places and i remember listening to that and it left me gasping and it was a similar feeling i had with with this thing here actually the miniaturist because of the two stories on this box set the first one the outlaws is very much kind of um, robin hood type adventure you know and and, and to be honest i found it a little bit blah 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 yeah it's a little bit kind of it wasn't quite my cup of tea though i'm sure there's lots of other people who like it and that's fine but this one this one was right up my street so essentially what happens is the doctor and dodo end up going down this really deep mine it's uh, it's it's so it's so deep and it's so dark that there is literally no sound nothing at all oh, yeah. and they and and the way they so, so you kind of experience that as as the doctor and dodo and the guy there they're going down a lift shaft and there's some nice clunky lift shaft type noises and a little bit of conversation and then gradually it, it all diminishes until there's literally nothing and there's a kind of a deadness of sound and you know the great thing about big finish is how they conjure up these these soundscapes or or these kind of images in in our heads by the use of mm. music and atmospheric sounds and stuff like that they, they've obviously got a bit of a knack for it now and they're really good at yeah. it uh, but when they switch all that off and all you hear is obviously you don't hear it but there's like nothing and i had the headphones on and it was a weird freaky feeling and i was listening to it in the dark and it kind of freaked me out and then you start getting this whole thing about um you know voices from from something you know a small child sort of just flitting out of view did you see that what uh nothing that sort of stuff, you know, and then you hear this the, the these little childish <laughs> dodo, 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 <laughs> dodo, and of, of course dodo being dodo, the companions being who they are, they wander off and and go look at them, you know, and it's because um, why wouldn't they? It's that thing of like don't yeah. go into the cellar, 
And what do they do? They go into the cellar. But this is a cellar that is deep, deep, deep in the earth. And there's a weird kind of alien thing which has its own agenda there. And I'm not going to spoil it, but I would heartily, heartily recommend it. If, you know, for, for that... Mm. You know, it's not um, it's not outright scares. It's probably more no. suspense than anything. Although, yeah. you know, but that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it sounds really good, but yeah, not perhaps a sort of um, you know spooky, ghosty thing particularly, but a kind of fear type thing. It makes me think a little bit of um, Satan Pit. You know, there's the, when um, Ten yes. you know, goes down yes. on, the, on the winch thing, yeah, you know, and it, into the black pit, um, and and a little different, but. Um, Oh, what's, what's the film where the, the girls go pot potholing or whatever it's called? Oh, I know the, the one you mean. Yeah, caves. yeah. Um, the Descent. The Descent. That's it. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good film. Yeah, it's a bit bit more horrific, perhaps. But yeah, that's, that's for a much sort of, older audience you know, group. Man. Yes. Yeah. Older than me. <laughs> yeah. I can't watch yeah. stuff like that anymore. It freaks me out. But yeah, that, I mean, yeah, the miniaturist is is a really good one. I mean, to be fair, you can pick probably loads of uh, big finishes. And the, the great thing is, is that what Big Finish have done with Dodo is is give her. I mean, she always had a sort of personality, but the trouble was in a TV mm. show, she wasn't really there long enough for us to really get a handle on no. who she was. But actually, in some ways, that's that, that that's not a bad thing. I mean, Jackie Lane just sort of. Um, sort of breezed in and played her with all the kind of Mancunian slash Cockney slash Mancunian slash Cockney kind of uh, verve and personality she could but it's really bizarre because she she literally just wanders in at the end of an adventure which by the way I don't know if you've ever listened to it the the, the massacre is really really dark really grim and actually is that's it? quite scary but not in a, in a sort of spooky way it's, it's, it's one of the darkest adventures I, I think that exist in the whole of Doctor Who. It's you know, it's it's brutal. Oh, right, it's right. mostly on Stephen, the companion, right? And um, and yeah. and he gets kind of caught up in this 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 kind of you know plot against the the Huguenots and everything else, and and it turns really nasty really quickly. And it's like basically the the, the person who seems to be orchestrating these, this, and it's a, it's a religious cleansing. But the person who seems to be behind it is the Doctor. It's not the Doctor, it's an abbot, the abbot of Amboise, who, who just happens to look like him and is actually played by William Hartnell. But it's mm. not terribly clear in the audio that I listen to, and it's not terribly clear in the book. It's quite ambiguous as to whether it actually is a Doctor. You're kind of left thinking, and of course at the end of it, Stephen doesn't know if it really was a Doctor or not, and he doesn't like the way the Doctor abandoned him, doesn't like the way he was treated through the whole thing, and he's literally walking out of the TARDIS in a real big huff. And of course he met this friend there as well, Anne Chapler, who was a serving girl. You know, they kind of shared the adventure together. But um, but but nobody knows what happened to her. Did she survive the, 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 you know, the, the massacre? Did she not? Stephen's really wound up about it. Mm. So he's literally walking out the TARDIS. I've had enough, Doctor. I'm going that's it he walks out and there's and there's Dodo Chaplet who just happens to walk up to this police box on the, in the middle of Wimbledon Common or something and strangely kind of takes all the steam out of out of Stephen's kind of huffiness and and in she goes and then bizarrely a few adventures later she literally just says bye doc disappears off to her aunt's at the start of the, the war machines and is never to be seen again so sorry that that's a bit of a <laughs> digression but it's it's I, I I would love to hear more about Dodo and stories like this with mm. her in it, played by Lauren. Fabulous. Give me more Big Finish. Give me more. I want it. Yeah, I, I think there's more coming, isn't yes. there? But they're, they're doing more. So what have you got for us, Jeff? Um, yeah. 
Um, well, my uh, one of my recommendations is Static, which is a Sixth Doctor um, mm. adventure with uh, Mrs. Constance Clark, uh, played by Miranda Raisin, and uh, Philippa Flip Jackson, played by Lisa Greenwood. So this one is um, a few years ago. There's there's a there's a number of stories with Sixy mm. uh, and Mrs. Clark and Flip, um, and I, I really like this trio. Um, Mrs. Clark is um, a, a wren from from the war, and uh, she joins the Doctor and, and sort of starts travelling with him. And she's very kind of prim and, and proper, and uh, you know she must be called Mrs. Clark <laughs> the whole time. And you know she she's never really called Constance, um, but uh, uh, unless she kind of allows someone to to call her that. But she sort of starts to soften, and and mm. as it goes on, and um, you know she, she I thought I. I really liked her as a companion and then um flip is uh, a more modern day companion and there's there's elements of of rose to her in a way but but she contrasts nicely with mrs clark because she's a lot more like not common that's not the right word but more kind of modern you know her her language is looser than than mrs clark's which is very prim so there's quite a nice contrast between them but they have quite a lot of respect for each other and um you know they they actually get on really well and and six uh works brilliantly with the the pair of them so i've listened to quite a a number of their, their stories together and really enjoyed them so in um in static the three of them are looking to sort of take a bit of a a bit of a break and and they they end up being drawn to a caravan site mm. a camping site in in a place called uh, Abbey Marston um and here there's a um, an old stone circle in in oh. the woods nearby that that was used for human sacrifice um you know hundreds of years ago and there's also an old uh, RAF uh, research station nearby as well where they did uh, things yeah. during the war that were on the down low and in this campsite um, as, as is actually often the way with uh, campsites when you're in the middle of nowhere and I, I wonder if uh, writer uh, Jonathan Morris got, got the idea when he was camping or something but there's no um, phone signal, no TV signal oh, no course. radio signal yes. um, and, and so it, it sort of played like yeah you, you're cut off and you mustn't um, turn this stuff on and the guy who is um uh sort of the camp that you know the the he's in charge of the campsite is very strict you, you know you mustn't turn them on and and we meet this couple who've who've gone there um to uh they, they've they've had a bit of a problem in in their relationship and they've they've gone there to sort of try mm. and fix things and stuff and i i, th- I think um i think his sister has has died um uh, or, or her sister and th- there's sort of that's the cause of the tension between them and he ends up turning the radio on or, or something at one point and a- anyway in the static that you hear these voices oh, start no. coming through to them and it's the voice of the of the sister oh. um so it starts to become very kind of unsettling and um uh, I, I, like I said earlier, I don't want to kind of give it away but there's a couple of really good twists in it um, and, and, you know, the cliffhangers that are really nicely done yeah. and um, it, it all starts getting a bit, you know, it starts kind of uh, cranking it all up a bit. You know, Mrs. Clark goes off to investigate and um, things happen to her and then Flip kind of gets stuck on the site and then and something happens to the Doctor as well, um, which kind of... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a really good cliffhanger. You're like, how are they going to get out of this? Um, <laughs> and uh, and then you discover something. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and then there's a there's a hidden thing with the guy who's in charge of the campsite as well. So yeah, and and it, it had um, brilliant sound design on it as well. You know, using the kind of static and, and radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, medium of course works brilliantly yeah. um, on audio and it it reminds me actually a bit of um a tenth doctor one that was written by uh, james goss which was called um dead air ah. and it was one of the ones that they the bbc audio did uh, towards the end of um tens mm. uh, time on on tv and this is one where he's on his own um and he ends up on a on a you know cruise cruise liner or a, a boat or something oh, sort. i think anyway, you told me about this one um yeah, I think I did mention mm. it. Yeah, and it's it's all done through kind of recordings and stuff like that, and you, you know, um, radios, sort of, yeah. uh, you know, trying to transmit on on. Um, maybe it's set in the sixties, and it's all with um, uh, what do you call it when you know that like Tony Blackburn was out on the boat? You oh, know, radio, doing the radio off there. Yes, it's that sort of thing. I think um, uh, I sound a bit bit vague about it all. It's but, been you know, a while, isn't so it, mate? Many, well, well, it has been a while since I've listened to them, but obviously they've stuck in my head, and I and I can't remember the finer details of them all. And also, we have so much audios, so books, much. and the show mm. as well, you know. Um, and and if anyone can remember the the uh, fo- well, you're pretty good at it. Remember the finer details of know, multiple things like that. Then know. you know, awesome. That, that so yeah, Static is a, is a really good one, mm. um, and um, it, yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you want to be kind of scared um but also have uh, a bit of a an emotional emotional center to it as well okay it, it uh, yeah. it's quite effective so so on, would you that say that well. that's right at the top of your list of spooky scary stories or is is there um, any that that reach above those heights well, do you think I, yeah, I actually really like that one. Mm. Uh, I also have another one here that um I listened to not that long ago actually. Um and this, uh, let me just bring it up here. This is a Fifth Doctor uh, adventure, uh, and you, when I tell you its name, you'll you'll <laughs> you'll see why I went for it. So this is um, Fifth Doctor with Tegan, mm. Nissa, uh, and Adric in it, and it's called Ghost Walk. Ah, so well, there you go. <laughs> when I saw this on Big Finish site, I was I've like, "I've got to get it. Give that a go. Surely, got to give it a go." So. This is, uh, I think it's set up in, in Edinburgh, and it, it initially follows uh, a woman named Leanne who does ghost tours. Oh, she, okay. She does them yeah, yeah, yeah. T- twice a day. Mm. Um, and she takes people around to various different places. I'm just reading the, the bio here. So there's like the hanging yard, yeah. the witch pool, the screaming they, house. They do actually course, do those the things, cat- don't the they? Catacombs. Up in, up yeah, I've, I've done one in Edinburgh. Yeah. I went with my wife a few years ago, mm. yeah. And um, they, they take you around, you know, the old part of Edinburgh. Um, okay. there's, there's a couple of different talks companies actually and one of them does them uh, underground in the old part of the city yeah. you know where, the, where they kind of built on top of it now we didn't do that one mm-hmm. which which would have been really good but this one takes you around like to the to the church or the you know cathedral or whatever they've got there and various other places then you end up in the um churchyard which which is where great mm-hmm. bobby was was uh, quite well known for and they they take you into uh you know sort of the haunted catacomb um at, at the oh, end of it um cool. And it was it was really it was a really good tour, really good. So this uh, ghost walk audio is kind of um, you know inspired by it, by yeah, all yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so in this one, Leanne discovers that there's something in the catacombs, and Ooh. and it's been there for a long time. 
um, and uh, th there's something evil that wants to come and uh, sort of come come back and take over the world. And and she meets a ghost uh, in in the catacombs that, that explains all of this to her. And this ghost is called the Doctor, oh. and the Doctor was died hundreds oh. of years ago in in the catacombs. Oh. So. It's again. It's another really good um, yeah. cliffhanger, and the story um, it sort of jumps through multiple time zones, but um, time periods, because you follow the Doctor um, back in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is what leads to him dying, um, and then he sort of he's in uh, Leanne's head, so he's sort of talking to her and guiding her, and then t taking her to. Uh, try to bring him back, and then you also follow um, Adric yeah. uh, in another time period. They 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 realise that things are pretty horrible here, and they need they find like all these bones and yeah. like blood sacrifice stuff in the catacombs. Ah, cool. So they they try to get out. The TARDIS isn't working, of course. Um, and and uh, it, because it doesn't light the place, mm. so it, it it's just shut down. So they use something Runs. else to get them out of there. Yeah, yeah. and um, Adric end, ends up going in into a different time period with Tegan I think um, and then he gets um, sort of a, a m accused or mistaken for being uh, like guilty of, of witchcraft or something and yeah. he gets goes to be hung and stuff like that yeah. anyway it, it leaps around a lot and it starts hang to get quite Adric. tense and it you know yeah Burn the witch. And it's, it's again quite a scary one yeah i think tegan gets accused of, of being a witch <coughs> actually and they try yeah. to burn her Ooh, yeah um yeah <laughs> so yeah that's another one that i would mm. i would recommend which one would i prefer uh do you know what to be honest the, the ideas behind both of them are really yeah, good i yeah. think it's it's your team your tardis team preference i i particularly like uh flip and constance yeah. and and actually you know as we know sixie has got a great life on audio mm. so indeed um, yes uh, I, I would probably put my vote for static okay, on that one. Good, nice one. Um, and in fact, uh, that reminds me, we did a tweet earlier to um, get people's thoughts on static. Um, and Melvin Pina, uh, who's at Kittenry, he said, "I got it and loved it. A six constant and flip narrative is the height of good taste." <laughs> um, which is true. I'm not going to read the rest of your tweet, Melvin, because it sort of uh, gives, gives it all away. away a little ah, bit. Naughty man. Yeah. Uh, um, and then Faye Wild, who's at Faye Slayer, says, Amazing audio. I love the concept behind the villain, which I won't spoil here for those that haven't listened to Very it yet. Um, but it, it's peak Doctor Who horror at its mm. finest. Um, but to contrast that, um, Quokka Mocha, who's at Mocha Quokka, says, I really like the concept of it and was looking forward to a nice spooky story, but I don't like Flip or Constance as I find them difficult <gasps> to listen to. So I didn't really get too far into it, I'm afraid. Personal taste, I know some people love Like them. you well, said, it's your TARDIS team preference, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. And, and you know, I will say, Quokka Mocha, if, if you don't like Flip and Constance, I can, you know, uh, appreciate that it, you know, makes a listen harder. But um, this this is a story that you, you don't kind of find mm. out much about the um, the villain until kind of part three. Oh, um, it's it's quite it, sort of cleverly kept from you. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a very slow build to, to things. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, Melvin has hinted there at, uh, at something uh, in the story, <laughs> which is good. So yes, I shall say no say more no. on that. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so those those are two uh, really good ones. I've got another one that I want to um, <clears throat> mention. Go on. Uh, shortly. N oh, uh, you're going to okay. wait? It's, oh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, you, let's, let's go. Let me hand over to you. Hand over to me. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the Scary Ghost Corner with me, the brain <laughs> of Paul. <laughs> yeah, I get a bit carried away. I love this time of year because I love it when it starts getting dark. And for me, when I were yeah. a little kid, or a little nipper, it was like there's two things that would happen at this time of year well maybe a little bit earlier actually so you start getting the the trailers towards the end of the school holidays that the new doctor who season was starting and it'd yeah. be something to really look forward to and with the nights getting dark and all that sort of stuff but obviously it would also mean that you're back at school in a few weeks so that was always a bit of a bit of a bummer really it was like all this great stuff and then the boring stuff as well but i um okay so anyway enough of that rambling i have chosen as you no you're right this is oh uh, uh, yeah this is um one of my now. favorite times of of yeah i did yeah so i just Fine. wanted to get in on, on this positively to my to my rant <laughs> <laughs> i'm joking well, sorry mate go on, go on, go on, falling go on, go on. off the trees yeah. and this pumpkin time. I love and, this time of year. Then, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, the air is mm. crisp, and then, then it's my birthday, and then, you know, we're so moving I, towards Christmas. Something happened with the recording now. I think, I, just, <laughs> I, think, I think we just lost you there a minute, Jeff. I don't know if we can get that back. <laughs> Sorry, what is that? Something about apples, was it's, it? <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it apple bobbin time? Apple, yeah, I love apple bobbin. Apple yeah. Right, okay, so I'm going to choose a TV story for my second choice, and... Um, okay. And it's a fourth Doctor story, played by obviously the fourth Doctor is played by Mr. Tom Baker, the godhood of Doctor Who himself. And I've got, well, there again, there were so many you could literally throw a stick at any fourth Doctor story, and it will probably hit something with a good scare factor in it, right? Yes. Because yeah. they they just seem to get them. But I I kind of narrowed it down. There was the there was Image of the Fendal, which is a it's it's i mean it's just pure ghost scares monsters and possessions and demonish mm. demonic kind of skulls and things that harken back to the mists of primordial time all that sort of stuff so that's good that was a, a possible but i don't really like the story so much so i, I discounted that mm. there's there's <laughs> the stones of blood from later on um mm. with the doctor and romana and that's a good one as well but it's probably only mildly creepy for the first sort of 20 minutes or so although it does have a really creepy ass part one cliffhanger end of part one cliffhanger where Romana just walks off a cliff literally she walks off a cliff okay she thinks she's hearing the doctor's voice from beyond the cliff and she can't see that she's at the end of the cliff and she's kind of been spooked by some weird kind of what seems to be a supernatural kind of spiritual goddess druidic goddess type mm. thing so um but it it's something else and i'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it and it's also got moving stones that eat blood so hence the title mm, the yeah. stones of blood so stones it's of a blood, good one yeah. so that that was quite high in my list and i was really tempted to go for horror of fang rock which is just a masterclass Ooh, in yeah. intention storyline plotting yeah. character and everything else but in terms of scares and that it does have a few and it's it, it makes use of its isolated setting a lighthouse in a on a very foggy storm-ridden craggy coast but I've actually gone for one of your favourites, Jeff. I know this, uh, the brain of Morbius. <laughs> mm. it is, I've watched this for this one times. So disappointing! <laughs> Can't believe it. I, I have to confess, I I haven't watched this one. Uh, 
which is a shocker. Paul was, was even talking to me for a couple shot. of days. I literally I fell off my sofa, my comfiest there. sofa as well. But I, I knew, like I knew all about brain, the, you know, the, the Morbius doctors and stuff because you know Chibs took that uh, obscure random moment and made it count, you know, like important. Um, so, so yeah, I, this is one I need to need to watch. So the brain and Morbius, me right? Let it. me tell you about the brain and Morbius, right? So it was actually written by the master of Doctor Who himself. But yes, the the Hinchcliffe Holmes era is is really the pinnacle, I think, of this kind of thing, and it and it ripped off loads and loads of Hammer horror movies, loads of B movies, all the Universal monster pictures. The Mummy became the pyramids of pyramids of Mars. Uh, there was a mm. script which Terence Dix had written for for, for vampires for a kind of a dracula kind of flavored thing but that didn't go into production until much later in the decade it eventually became a state of decay in season 18 so um so that that was replaced by the horror of fang rock the following year actually but it was around that sort of time and but one thing terence did write of course was the brain of morbius which is a kind of a riff on the frankenstein myth so it Mm. features a monster a mad scientist, a laboratory, a sisterhood, and a brain in a jar. And it is just brilliant. <laughs> but here's the thing behind it, right? So Terence had written this, this script, which he thought was brilliant. And the monster was originally a robot. And there was loads of kind of irony about the robot desiring a, a kind of good-looking body to house its brain and all, and all that kind of thing, right? Um, and then he and, and then he sent it off to Robert Holmes because obviously Robert said to him, "Terence, could you write us a story, mate? I'm a little bit slack on some, and I need a story off you." And Terence is right, yes, no, no problem, I shall do it. And he, and he rattles off this thing, <laughs> and then of course now the see the tables are turned right. So Terence Dix used to be the script editor a few years previous in John Pertwee's days, and he would ask the same thing of Robert Holmes, right? And when Robert would send his script in, Terence Dix would quite happily rewrite bits, cut bits out, and put new bits in, and make them kind of fit the whole series arc and whatever other ideas, and make sure things weren't copied across other stories and and all of that. But Robert Holmes did that to Terence's story, right? To Terence's script. And in Terence's own words, he bloody butchered it, right? So... And and when and when Terence was sent back the revised scripts. Now the the feeling I get and the image I get is is of Robert Holmes, who from looking at the photographs looks like a quite a macabre sort of guy anyway. And he obviously clearly loved mm. the scares. But I can just imagine him sitting there with his pipe, putting a red pen through Terence's scripts, changing a couple of lines, <laughs> and then going, hmm, yeah, changing a few more lines and hmm. That's a good idea. And then changing a few more and then actually just tearing up whole pages and then putting something in completely of his own. Anyway, long story short, at the end of the day, Terence gets back the, the, the revised scripts and he, he rings up Robert Holmes in an absolute apoplectic, violent rage. The gentlest man in the whole of Doctor Who is in an absolute rage that his scripts have been butchered so badly. He calms down apparently and they have a little chat and, and 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 he says to Robert, Look, there's no point you putting my name on it. I didn't write a single line of dialogue in it, or not a single line mm. of dialogue belongs to me. So Robert uh, Robert Holmes and Hinchcliffe are like, Well, well, what should we put on there? I think they, they had a couple of pseudonyms like Stephen Grief or, or something. Uh, was it no Steve uh, whatever it was. Anyway, they, they had a few. And um, and and Terence goes, I'll just use any bland pseudonym. So Robert Holmes 
Ha! He goes, yes, that's what we'll be. We'll call it Robin Bland because I robbed the story and it's very bland. So he literally took Terence as, <laughs> as a bit of a joke. But I tell you what, mate, what they turned out from you know Holmes's rewriting of Terence's story is an absolute stone cold classic. Now, when you watch this on TV, I think it's best to watch it as a kind of theatre production is imagine you're watching it on stage I think that's the best way to look at a lot of those which, which a lot of old who is, is like really isn't it it is it's a studio bound story so don't expect sweeping rolling vistas of of crashed spaceships and mountainous nightmare jagged shapes that 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 go crash in the night they attempt to do some of that but it's on a very small studio set so you've got to let your kind of imagination go with it now this story actually was 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 the second ever doctor who book that i owned it's actually number oh, two right. and i i have two of them Look at that! See, there's two. There's two covers. There's one with the red one, one with the red cover, and one with the yellow cover, oh, yeah. and they're, they're both exactly the same. But I will tell you what, right? So on on its, there, there are multiple ways to read this story. First one, if you're watching it on TV, yes, think of it as a theatre production. The acting seems to vary between really, really good stuff, like um, like like uh, was it Philip Maddock who plays the mad scientist Doctor Solon? There's also Michael Spice in there as well, giving us the voice of Morbius and he was also um, I think it was Magnus Greel a year later in the talents of Wang Chiang but he's a very shouty villain and he's given to hyperbole quite a lot and I'm not a big fan of shouty villains I tend to I like them to be a little bit more character characterful however that does not detract from the story because I was watching it again and it's an absolute masterclass so it sets the scene the TARDIS arrives on this storm-wracked planet and there's a whole graveyard of spaceships um, around. Um, oh, but before before the TARDIS arrives, there's this kind of creeping figure, somebody stalking the runes. It turns out it's like an alien insect life form. You see bits of it revealed in the in the lightning from the storm, and it's brilliant. Again, it's only a studio, but it looks pretty good. They've obviously turned the lights down as far as they can on this thing without the the, the lighting guys kicking off. Except they probably did kick off because that's what they used to do. You can't literally see anything on this apart from these these weird shapes. But it's it's yeah. They they often had some really good sets back then. They did have some like good sets. In, there's um, a castle not, not set. Of Eden. There's a really yes. good jungle and stuff. Or the Planet of Evil actually, which is um, which is in this same season. So this is season thirteen. Uh, and and it's it, again that would that could have been another one which rips off Jekyll and Hyde. So the old they're all ripping off these things. But you're making me digress, Mister Jeff. So Sorry. anyway, back to the brains of Morbius very very quickly. This is on the one hand a kind of blatant Frankenstein ripoff. It makes no bones about it, which is another reason why Terence Dix wasn't so impressed. It was like so obviously Frankenstein that he just. There was no subtlety to it at all. It's not. It's not mm. allegory. It's right in your face. There is, a, as I said, there's a mad scientist. There's a monster made of bits and pieces of all the different <laughs> alien races that have crashed on this planet, which is the planet of Khan, and um, and it's it's just it's just purely purely blatant, like I said. But within that, right, there is a lot of. 
Doctor Who legend, if you like. The Brain of Morbius mm. establishes quite a lot of the sort of mythology that has built up around the whole Doctor Who thing mm. over over the years. There's something that there's a throwaway line in in the first in the first ep- in the first episode. So you've got the sisterhood of Khan. They're the keepers of this elixir of life, which is a kind of byproduct yeah. of this flame that burns up through the, the from the center of the planet, and it, it reacts with some chemicals in it, in, it, in this bunch of rocks, and it drips. And as it condenses, it drips down and forms this elixir, which is also used by the Time Lords in the case of emergencies with regeneration or accidents or something yeah. it can speed the regeneration process it can heal a time lord and and stuff yeah, we, like we that we see that in um uh, night, night of the doctor, of the doctor the, exactly the, yeah. i was so excited yeah. when we went back to khan with the eighth doctor in that in that little story i thought it was brilliant and the and and mm. the um the the sister who greets the eighth doctor in that she's called ohila and i thought oh is that the same as ohika from the brain of morbius could it be the same character um maybe mm. it was but i don't know but the character in the brain of morbius is called ohika it's only a oh, letter's right. difference who knows over only, time yeah. it might have been her or maybe stephen moffat just just got it a little bit wrong who knows but anyway it's a lot of fun but there's there's so much stuff and it's all jeff it's all throwaway stuff as well it's just like made up whether it's terence or whether it's robert holmes nobody mm. really knows it's probably robert holmes but who knows terence was good at this stuff as well they were just throwing lines there's there's a line here where the old lady of the sisterhood is sort of going on about how no ships can can come close to Khan because there's this magnetic field. It's not actually. It's actually the influence of the sisterhood. They don't want anybody stealing their elixir. And she she, well, she right. comes out with this thing here. No ship can approach this planet without detection. Even the silent gas dirigibles of the Muthi I felt in my bones while they were still a million miles distant. <laughs> she doesn't talk like that. She's much more theatrical than that. But that line there, right? <laughs> Paul Cornell decides to take and spins out a whole new adventures novel of it, right? One line, one word yeah. in one line. The Huthai, the Huthai, Muthai. It's actually Muthai in the book, which is really weird. But it's Huthai in the, in the TV series. And he comes out with one of the best new adventures novels ever. You know, it's, it's astonishing. It's brilliant. There's also, like you said, the Morbius Doctors, right? We get that deadlock, that power play towards the end of episode four where Morbius and the Doctor are playing a, a, a sort of... They're dueling. They're doing a mind... A Time Lord mind duel, which was used to be a game, mm. but taken to extremes, it can be really dangerous. And the idea is to gain a mental advantage, a, a mental exertion over your opponent via this piece of scaffolding. And that's represented by showing as the faces of each Time Lord as they are pushed back further in their timeline by their wow. opponents. And the idea is to get so far back that they, their mental ability to, to hold up their defences collapses. It's like, yeah, sorry, mate, you win. Okay, yeah, well done, and all the rest of it. And the Doctor is really suffering. And Morbius pushes the Doctor back and back. So we see that wonderful montage of the fourth Doctor turning into the third Doctor, turning into the second Doctor, the first Doctor, then someone who looks suspiciously a bit like... Um, actually Robert Holmes and Philip Hinchcliffe and Dougie Camfield the director and, and a few other people um, but it's but is that the Doctor? Is that Morbius? We don't know mm. but then Morbius says how far back Doctor? How far how many lives have you had? 
And yeah. yeah, like you said, that gives rise to the whole, or you know, was maybe sat in Chris Chibnall's brain and gave rise to the whole timeless children thing. I I, I played yeah. that to Freya after we watched the Ghost Monument, and she goes, "Oh, so it, it all starts there then?" Because it was the second time we watched the Ghost Monument, and she goes, "Oh, the timeless child, uh, timeless child, that's in here." I said, "Ah, oh, yeah, but it started even before that." Let me play you this. Well, so I played I... the the end of the the Brain of Morbius for her. There, it is full of moments. At one point, Sarah Jane gets blinded. Right, and she she can't see where she's going. I think every cliffhanger ends on a moment where Sarah Jane, either blind or visible, somehow encounters the monster, and it is it is increasingly horrific. Yes, sometimes it is a bit theatrical. Like I said, you've got to watch it thinking you're watching a stage production. Sometimes it helps yeah. if you do that. But if you can get past that. Actually, the story is as grim as it gets, right? There is a patchwork corpse, right? A, a, a life form that has been put together by Crazy Solon, who is a member of the cult of Morbius. Morbius himself being a renegade Time Lord who went bad, who, who stirred up this, this huge religious army that went to war with the Time Lords. He was hunted down, finally cornered on planet Khan and put to death, executed by the Time Lords, with his atoms scattered to the four corners of the universe, apparently, according to Marin, the, the chief of, of the sisterhood. But let me read you this little bit here, right? So there's, um, I'm going to read you this from the book. This is where Sarah Jane, who is blind, is wandering through Solon's castle, which actually, again, it's not actually a castle, though it is a castle. It's, um, it's a hydrothermal plant, you know, some sort of like atmosphere processing. But it looks like a Gothic castle, right, with Art Nouveau details. But within those details, there's little technological details as well. In the set, it is brilliant, you know, there's little details. It just, oh, I love it. But anyway, right, so here's here's Sarah Jane. She's, she's sort of wandering through this castle castle and she's coming to this room and she's hearing a voice and the voices start screaming at her you lie screamed the voice you came to kill me you she devils want to destroy me before i can wreak my vengeance on you sarah peered blindly towards the voice wondering if she was trapped with a madman and so indeed she was in a way though with one that had for the moment no power to harm her sarah wished desperately that she could see but perhaps at this moment her blindness was something of a blessing the anguish threatening voice that so terrified her came from a greenly glowing tank in the center of the room the tank was filled with nutrient fluids in its center floated a spongy gray and purple mass the still living brain of morbius ah! q end credits etc etc blah 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 yeah blah, that's blah. pretty it's grim, awesome uh, it is image really, isn't it really grim. Yeah. and you know you look at the the chapter titles in the book right a graveyard of spaceships the keepers of the flame the horror behind the curtain the horror in the crypt the monster walks, monster on the rampage, Deathlock. It's there's no bones about it. This is out and out horror in 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 a way that only Doctor Who really used to do. Well, okay, so Hammer House, the Hammer House of Horror Studios used to do them as well because that's what these are ripped off of. But Doctor Who did it for kids, allegedly, mm. right? The Hammer House films yeah. were for adults. 
but there's not a huge amount of difference between those <laughs> and the Doctor Who stories of the Finch, uh, the Finchcliffe, the Hinchcliffe years, and they are absolutely fabulous. And, you know, I, and I, I love them to bits. They, they are, you know, like I've said on this podcast before, the Brain of Morbius is one of my earliest Doctor Who memories. And I was really worried when I eventually got around to watching it. I think that the first time I actually really saw it properly since that, since my very, very early childhood, was when it came out on VHS in the 90s, I guess. And it was a, it was a kind of omnibus edition. And it was all four episodes kind of rammed into one sort of... 80 minutes special or something with with no episode breaks or anything like that and it was a bit of a slog i'm not gonna lie it was it was difficult to watch because it didn't quite seem to flow right and i didn't realize actually it'd been quite heavily chopped around a bit they didn't just take the 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 start and the end of the episodes out they actually chopped a few other bits out as well to kind of make it fit the time format so when it was eventually released as a full four episode unadulterated version again on vhs that was the first time i truly watched it for what it was and when you watch these things i think one episode at a time with even a day or so in between actually they're much better because i because that's how Mm. the story was structured you know the beginning and the middle of an end is of a single episode it's not Mm. the beginning middle of an end of a story that stretched across four episodes sometimes it is but more often it isn't each episode is structured with a one with a first a second and a third act and and it's that that's kind of how they how they work um especially with those sort of you know those 70s type stories and they they kind of work to a formula in a way it was very short-lived formula and it was there really stewarded under 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 this or, or under the it was shepherded under the stewardship. I'm mixing my metaphors. It was either a shepherd or a steward or a caretaker. Anyway, Robert owns what wrote them all, pretty much. <laughs> Script edited them all, oversaw them all, was a caretaker of them all, brought them all into fruition, birthed them, gave them living energy, and brought them all to life. <laughs> lives. It lives. Yeah. So there you go, my friend. That is the brain of Morbius in a very chaotic well, nutshell. We had some tweets from other people who have actually seen it. Um, I think we're going to so really have to look at your fan credentials, mate. I mean, I don't want to yeah, come yeah. over all gatekeeper-y, but... You, you don't want to, but I, you did. I, I, I do. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so this is um, at DDP Kendrick. Oh, yes. He says, I really love this episode and this era as a whole. Um, either my favourite or second favourite era of the show's uh, history. Just all round great, and it goes to show how good season 13 yeah. is for me. I love it. Um, Ripper Metal God Rich, <laughs> who is at Ian Ian Robrich, says one of Doctor Who's finest stories. Brilliant performances from the regular and supporting cast. Ten out of ten for me. Um, Tim Matthews, who is at Disused Yeti seventy six, oh, says cool. glorious sacred farts and all. <laughs> <laughs> sacred fire, sacred flame, sacred fire. It's great. The sisterhood are great because they they do they, they have a movement which was actually choreographed with their hands, and it, it looks kind of weird, witchy, kind right. of wickery, sort of spooky. That kind of freaks me out more yeah. than anything. I think they were quite spooky in uh, Night of the Doctor. You know, in that cave there, and all their their 
yeah. hoods and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, weirdly. I mean, I love that. As much as I love that, I thought in a way it kind of looks... And I watched it again after this, and I thought, yeah, it does look a bit too... It looks too polished in a way. Part of the atmosphere. Mm. I mean, Freya said she's watched a few of these seventies things now. She hasn't watched this one all the way through, but she's always said she finds the seventies stories more scary than the modern day series. And I think really? a lot of it is because quite often it, it's it's sharper. You know, there's because it's on video studio brightly lit mm. video. Quite often, there's no hiding place from from terror. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's mm. there, right there. That does mean yeah. that all the flaws are exposed. But if you're caught up in yeah. the story, you don't see the flaws. The you th- just get the atmosphere through it. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, back back. You know, if, if you were watching this when it went out, you, you know, TV and film was what it was at the time you you wouldn't watch it and think oh that's bad because you you wouldn't know any different you know like if you saw a mistake you know like yeah if if, know, if a boom microphone suddenly comes yeah, in a boom shot, was in short there was a yeah. few times when that would then that would happen but you're right because yeah. the, the, the other thing of that is that tvs were a lot smaller and far lower resolution in them days yeah, so you could get away yeah. with with an awful lot and in one way that is why the studios had to be lit so brightly because actually the image mm. on those old tallies would never have been able to it would it would just be a complete murky mess and the no. other thing obviously is you yeah. know jeff the cameras wouldn't have been able to pick up any of the detail no. anyway unless it was bright unless it was no, well exactly, lit exactly. so there, there is there is yeah. a reason for it. and i know we keep going on mm. about it and you know we're watching these things now on you know 50 60 inch high definition ultra high definition yeah. 4k tvs where there is literally no hiding place everything that yeah. is a piece and of plastic looks like a piece of plastic i was yeah. watching 2001 a space odyssey on uh, on you on 4k um, a couple of weeks back actually which is a film i love and of course that you know the special effects from that the model shots of spaceships are quite rightly lauded for being the best of their kind mm. from 1969 but in 4k high resolution they look like space spaceship models and i was you know i'm thinking i can see that they're models and i was so Mm. disappointed you know it's like take me back to the old days yeah back in 69 you you wouldn't have known any different you know um sorry diversion again more tweets yes yeah that's right uh, this is Lucy McCall. Uh, I love it. The characterizations are great. Philip Maddock is especially oh, good, um, and he is matched by the Doctor Sarah Jane and Cynthia Greville. It's very Hammer horror in feel, mm. and especially in the setting and the lumbering condo. Oh, I didn't even mention. Um, and I don't condo, know if you. S- yeah. Uh, um, and I don't know if you saw this, Paul, but Lucy actually did a, a knitted tribute uh, to the great man. So there's a. There's a little knitted teddy uh, holding the, the brain it now well done lucy yes love that yeah but it's really cool um power of more of the morgan whovian who's at morgan whovian yt says love how morbius was created in the style of frankenstein very eerie very. uh andy parkinson at caffrey 71 says it's a great story liz and tom are wonderful uh philip maddock knocks it out of the park and we get some doctor timeline controversy do these faces belong? Uh, do these faces mm. during the mind-bending contest belong to the Doctor Indeed. or Morbius? That's that's like you you said. Um, this is a good tweet. Eric Harlow, whose handle is at Eric underscore Even, says the Morbius Doctors are canon have always been canon. I don't know why I'm yelling because <laughs> he's written in capitals. <laughs> he's written in capitals. <laughs> um, 
And then this one here is from um, our friend Lautaro Medina, who's at Doc Lautaro, and he says, I love that part where he says it's morbing time and morbed all over the Doctor. I, th- <laughs> I think he's <laughs> he's referencing Morbius there. Um, but he says, but seriously, this is Frankenstein through a Doctor Who lens. Mm. It's atmospheric and manages to include many lore aspects that resonate, resonate to this day. Its influence is unparalleled. Absolutely right. Yes, exactly. Just a little pastiche rip-off Frankenstein story. That mm. has set, and, it, t- and it's all these years later. It's still yeah. doing. It's still still it, doing. It's, it's got time yeah. lords. I mean, actually, also the thing about the Doctor being used by the time lords. I know that was kind of there with Genesis of the Daleks, and sort of mm. touched on in the Third Doctor's era. But again, it's back here. This is the Doctor mm. landing on a planet. He doesn't know the time lords have sent him. He suspects they have. He doesn't even want to get involved at the start. Of it. He's shaking his fist at the at the skies. The, the stormy lightning racked skies and swearing at the time lords and sulking and playing with his yo-yo and it's sarah jane who sort of pulls him into the story by by looking at the finding the, the, the wrecked graveyard of spaceships there you you had another one for us didn't you yes Come i did have in. another one so this actually is a, a fourth doctor uh, oh, well audio done. And this is The Haunting of Malkin Place. Um, so this is another uh, scary one. And I actually bought this because um, mm. uh, it, it was called The Most uh, Scary uh, Big Finish. Uh, so I thought, well, I've got to get in on that one. Uh, so <laughs> it speaks um, to me. the Doctor and, yeah, the, the Doctor um, and Romana uh, are, are uh, on a train. They're on, on their way to, to, to visit mm. somewhere. And they have a, 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 they bump into a spiritualist. Uh, on the train and it sends him on the trail um, of a ghost um, and uh, it's sort of a really convincing story of, of a haunting and um, it's funny because the, the, the concept of ghosts um, you know, exists in Doctor mm. Who doesn't it but, the, but they're not ever actually ghosts it's a bit like um, witches um, you know in the Shakespeare code you know they're, they're not really witches are they you know and I, and I think the Doctor says something like um, you know the, the you know, magic like this doesn't exist. Yeah, um, they're, you know, they're, it's, they're, 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 I mean, yeah, the third Doctor makes a point of that in The Demons, which actually was another one I was mm. thinking about for this as well, actually. Yes, yeah, that's one of my favourites. Yeah, I love a, that one. It's, yeah. it's pure Halloween scares, isn't it? <laughs> that's, mm. that's a great episode, yeah. Um, and, and it reminds me a bit of Thor, actually, in the first film, when he, he says, uh, you know, magic is just science that is not understood yeah, yet. I think, would, I know. think that's what Arthur C. Clarke said. I think he coined that, that phrase originally. Yes, thought, yeah, I was going to say, I, I knew there was there's that as well, so Thor's spin on it is, is slightly different um <laughs> but yeah so um they they go and investigate this this um haunting mm. um and it and it does appear to be uh real um and so they 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 go to this malkin place uh house and there's all sorts of you know there's like crying children noises and you know birds mm. are, are flying around and stuff like that and they, there's a seance as well um and uh i, I remember the the I was listening to it on the train, <laughs> actually, because uh, it, it yeah. obviously stuck in my head, and the the sort of eerie feel and the and the t- tension of it builds mm. up, um, and and the the end of the first uh, part was was really mm. quite um, quite unsettling, actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, this was a really good one, um, and and I would also recommend that. So you know, f- so I, I've given mm. a. Uh, uh, a sixth doctor scary one there and, uh, a, and a fourth, fourth one as well here yeah um so yeah that that's good and there's there's others as well the fourth doctor uh, audios 
there is a lot of uh, kind of horror influenced mm. stuff as per the, the show so there's stuff like um, the labyrinth of Buddha Castle which is a sort of it's sort of a you know Dracula-y type yeah. thing and, and then there's um, uh, it's, uh, it's it's about um, it's kind of a riff on Madame Tussauds oh, okay. so they they F- find these wax uh, figures that are sort of alive and stuff like that. Um, I can't remember its name off the top of my head, that one. Um, but that was also really good. Yeah. And there's like the Crooked Man as well, mm. which is a sort of creature that that comes out and, and he's got a really sort of cracked voice and stuff like that. That, that was also a, a really good one as well. So there's a lot that are, you know, kind of horror-influenced mm. uh, there as, as well. And it's funny because the show itself... I mean, you know, it doesn't really do it that much. I mean, we had Hyde with the Eleventh Doctor, which is, um, you know, sort of a haunted house yeah. type piece. Yeah, that was quite fun. It, it, yeah, it was. It was good, and and um, I haven't watched it in a while. Maybe that's that's worth a, a rewatch. Um, and obviously, uh, listen with the Twelfth mm. Doctor, which I I think is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that, that is that was full of creeps. Really. Yeah, it really was that bit with the the blanket on the bed there. Yeah. You, even now, like it's chilling. You know, <laughs> that's that's um, you know one of Moffat's strengths it is, is the sort it? of you know slightly well, scary thing. What was that other one thing. with and the um, was it a, a Matt Smith story with the peg dolls? Did you see that one? Oh, what was that called? Was that um, Night Terrors? Uh, night Night Terrors. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I, Ooh, I, I remember that one being only okay, and then I did a rewatch on it yeah. on that series a little while ago, and thought actually it wasn't too bad. They sort of lumber everything, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they, they they look <laughs> freaking weird though, don't they? Oh, yeah, they're sort of quite horrible yeah, looking. It's that slightly off human look about them, like something not yes, quite that, finished and yeah. crude. Yeah. Um, and then there was Knock Knock uh, with um, 12 oh, yes. Doctor, wasn't there? Series 10, indeed. It has uh, yeah, Poirot in it. And I remember thinking that one was a, was kind of an odd episode. I kind of liked it because it, it starts out really yeah, uh, in a like haunted it. house. Yeah. And then it turns into something actually like I found quite quite surprisingly mm. emotional with, with the sort of the mother right. and stuff like yeah. that. And she's, she's all wooden. It was sort of like two two different types of things mashed yeah. together um, but it sort of worked um, uh, so yeah I kind of liked it and of course we have the haunting of Villa Diodati as well oh Villa Diodati yeah. well, do you know what actually that's, that is it's a banger yeah it is isn't I was it? watching that's that the other night the in most my horror yes it, it is rewatch. that is the most out and out of, of certainly the recent you know of New yeah. Um yeah, that's a superb episode. And, and there's ghosts it, it in that because everything. Graham sees, he, he goes, I'll, I'll keep seeing dead people. And he sees yeah. like the the old maid and her daughter, or young girl at least. Mm, that's it, yeah. And he says at the end, yeah. so what was it with those two then? And they're all like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Yeah, oh. Isn't it, it's not properly explained, yeah, is it? Yeah, that's it. So they could have been yeah. ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then, of course, we had the Halloween apocalypse in, in Flux. Yes, we did. Didn't didn't really have much. Wasn't uh, really a spooky story, stuff, but it? it was set no. in Halloween, so it qualifies yeah. in my book. Yeah, yes, and I like the way that uh, uh, it actually went out on Halloween exactly yeah, last year. You know, they they'd obviously planned yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, that's my uh, couple mm. of spooky audio recommendations. So if anyone uh, takes a listen to those, do let us know what you think. I, I hope you um, enjoy them and um, they make you. Uh, Unsettled and, and creeped out. And, and if anyone else has got any, oh, any other spookies to recommend, give them to me. I want to hear <laughs> You'll them. You'll take them off your hands. 
<laughs> and yeah. and if anybody out there, because I know some of you are quite new to Doctor Who and discovering these things for yourself, which is fabulous. There is so much of it, so much to enjoy. And I tell you what, if you haven't yet watched The Brain of Morbius, like my good friend Jeff, go out and watch it. Watch it. Do it. Do it now. You will love it. If you don't, you can yeah. have your money back. Not that there is any. I did look it up still. on... Um uh, Amazon and it was only a five. It is so a stone cold classic. You've been waiting for it to come yeah. out in the collection box sets, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. That, it, that it is overdue. Really, I mean, yeah. we've got season yeah. season twelve, and we've got season yeah. fourteen. Thirteen mm. is the one with Pyramids of Mars, the Android Invasion, the Planet of Evil. Yep. Um, I think Terror of the Zygons is there as well, isn't it? That that that's the one that kicks Maybe. it off. I've got, I have got, which that, is another yeah. one. Yeah. And of course, we finish with the Seeds of Doom. As well, mm. which is which is quite the quite uh, quite a mass too, basically giant seed pod oh. takes over um, <laughs> a country house yeah. in the home counties. So that's uh, and actually yeah, that's got its yeah. horrific moments as well. Oh my goodness that's me! It. When they when the crinoid creature starts to, they, starts taking over its human host, and it's in this kind of halfway point where where this guy who start, started sprouting leaves and a bit of growth suddenly becomes almost vegetable. It is disgusting. It needed, mm. Oh, it'd make an all sick, that would. It was brutal. It's nasty. And, it's, and, you know, I think this is the thing, actually. A lot of the scares are visual as much as anything else. It's like, how can... I think they did have a policy of scaring the crap out of kids. Uh, back in those mm. days, they just wanted to do it, and until Mary Whitehouse put her Literally size ten, Mary Whitehouse things, got a bit upset. They yeah. were getting really carried away with it all. But yes, I loved yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great fun. The Ark in Space, actually, that's another one. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'd say we should yeah, wrap it up. One. But yeah. I remember the Ark in Space. There's yeah. that. On the one hand, you have this brightly lit, sheer white, clinical, sterile. Yeah. Um, totally soulless set, which in its way is quite terrifying. It's terrifying mm. in its emptiness, in its sterility. And wandering through that, when you get Noah, who's been uh, transformed into one of the alien wasp-like Wirren, it's it's nasty. It's mostly bubble wrap, but the performance yeah. and the atmosphere 100% yeah, he, sells he it. Starts, um he starts changing, he doesn't does. he? Like his, his hand and his yeah, and they, they face put a bit of an effect like on it. Yeah. There's a bit of a video effect, mm. so it does still mm. look kind of creepy. But then there's another set in that in that story, which is the complete opposite. It's dark, and it's spooky. Like it's under the solar the, stacks, like a, and it's lit just yeah. by these little green hexagonal plates of light. Yeah. Um, on the other side of which is something squirming. Oh man, mm. it's just horrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wish wish they do something a bit more. And, like and that, actually, the novel of that as the well, show. the novelization of the Ark in Space. I don't know if I've said it before, but again, if you haven't read it, go out and read it because it is pure body horror. It's not written for kids. It was written by Ian Martyr, who played Harry Sullivan. If you didn't know, um, I'm sure you did. Right. But he was well into that. The Sontaran Experiment was another one he wrote from, uh, which the story after the Ark in Space. And again, his depiction of the Sontaran, you know, as a, as a gar, as a sort of alien troll. You smell it. He describes the smell of it, the stench of it, the oil and the gas and the kind of sweat off the thing. You feel it. Mm. And of course, that's a story yeah. all about torture. And he. he yeah. goes a little bit far on that as well so what you get in the book is way way more than you ever saw on the tv on so, the show right yeah. anyway i'll shut up now go on go for it 
Well, yeah, I hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to our spooky recommendations. And I know we're a little bit uh, early uh, before Halloween. Yeah, but, but if you're um, listening to this like, after like, Halloween, then we'll be late. Yeah. Or if you listen to it on Halloween, yes. we'll be fine. Yeah, that's the beauty we'll of the podcast, time, mate. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit. Uh, you'll be listening to this in ten wimey. years' time, and and you'll be saying like, um, and if you're listening to this, why are we a little bit early? No, oh, that was twenty years yeah. ago. That was. <laughs> Ain't <laughs> not early at all, is he? Ain't gone and done it, mate. Ain't gone and done it. Where where's my teeth gone now? Hey. <laughs> we could be like if we're doing this podcast in I don't know what thirty four years, we'd be all right there. All right, Jeff. Here's it yeah, going, we'll mate. Have to put some voice modulation on to hide yeah. the old old I'm age. I'm going to be yeah. a brain in a jar. That is my future. Morbius yeah, gave me will, my yeah. future. Yeah. <laughs> So if if you're listening to the podcast in uh, real time, we'll be back next yes, Sunday indeedy. for our review or <gasps> crying fest for the power of the Doctor. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh man, it's not it's still not really hit me yet. <laughs> it, uh, it's nearly over. It's nearly finished. Um, yeah. So yes, we will be back then, and uh, do keep an eye on our Twitter. We've got some uh, exciting stuff coming we up do. over the next couple yes, of weeks, um, and and more chats with uh, other fans as well. Um, so we will be hopefully entertaining you for a good long while. Well, yet. Not a so thanks years. for listening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that long a while yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, thanks everyone, and we'll catch you next time. Indeed, enjoy and. Have a spooktastic time. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>